Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to today's podcast. Today we have our regular collaborator and I am going to start saying co-hosts very soon now. Aryan Vyas with me. And we are talking about one of the directors we kind of mentioned in the Eternals episode. And this guy is one of the most popular millennial filmmakers. I guess millennial is the correct word or not. I'm not sure. But like he's a voice who's consistently been championing filmmakers, independent filmmakers, and has created a brand of his own in terms of his style of comedy, his like style of visual panache that he brings to each of his films. And I think without like further sort of suspending the fact that who we are talking about, we are of course talking about uh, the great Edgar Wright. And we wanted to do this episode before we talk about Last Night in Soho, because I think firstly, his filmography we can cover because it's like five, six films long. So we, we don't have to like go through an entire catalog of films. And uh, it's just, I think, a way for us to like honor him, I guess, because all of us are such big fans of his work. I'll speak a little bit about what uh, movies I've watched of his and then I'll pass it on to Aryan. But my basic memory of him has always been like, he's my go-to for comedy films. He's always been. It's just the style he brings to them is always so fresh and like packed with energy vibrancy and just revisiting them again and again this time I was just amazed by the repeat value some of them hold so like but this time I, the only film I hadn't watched of his but I did watch this time is his debut film which is only available in a format this podcast is firmly against so it's available on YouTube on 240p so, sorry, Sanjeet, Karthik, Hemant, whoever is the creator of this podcast who will basically be saying no to watching it on a 240p print. Anyways, I think the 240p print actually adds to the film's charm. It's, it gets the whole amateurish look of the first film very well. And then it's it's the type of first effort which you see and then you're like, you can see the promise, but you also see how geeky and flawed it is and and like the geekiness in in a fistful of fingers that's the title of his first name uh, first film which is basically like a western homage to a lot of like the title is an homage itself but like there's homages and homages and homages the whole film is like that and rather than what we'll see later of his work in this film he kind of gets lost in his own world and like you're you're basically invited into a world without any introduction to it so it's, you're just like there and you're kind of like, can I please find a way inside your filmography or like film in some way? It's kind of alienating to watch it. It's a short film, but it feels fairly long. It's a bit of a rough ride, to be honest, especially if you're familiar with his work. That's all I have to say about it. And I think we are, we're just going to move on to his uh, Cornetto trilogy, which is one of my favorite trilogies. I know it's not an official trilogy as such, but it, like as a director's catalogy, it's one of the best things I've uh, I keep on going back to. So yeah, Aryan, go ahead. We'll we'll start with Shaun of the Dead, but before that, we can get your overall views also on uh, Edgar Wright uh, as a director. Okay, so yeah, when it comes to these directors, like uh, we always keep referring to directors like Wes Anderson and Woody Allen and Edgar Wright and the same spectrum of filmmakers. Right, I mean, they have their own thing style and all. Woody Allen is in another spectrum with, <laughs> yeah, yeah. with now, Roman Polanski now, so yes. Yeah. yeah. 
so whenever it comes to these filmmakers you can yep. if, if a film is on okay you can like tell that this mm. is a this is an agarite film you can tell that this is yep. a recent anderson film and to be a very honest these i've always had a i've always been a bit skeptical when it comes to filmmakers like these mm-hmm. especially uh, i keep forgetting danny boyle right danny, the guy yeah. who made some dog slum dog and obviously the famous train spotting and yeah. even the uh, sequel which was a pretty good movie surprisingly yeah. so yeah even danny boyle he has his own you know vivid style right so mm-hmm. and uh, adam mckay the season yeah, yeah, yeah. recent film filmmakers So yeah. to be very honest, uh, I have not been a huge fan of either of those two guys' work, mm-hmm. like Adam McKay and or Danny Boyle. Like I love, I like, I really like their films. Train Spotting, mm-hmm. obviously, the first one I love. It's a classic. Everyone loves that film. And Slumdog Millionaire is also a really good film. But when it comes to those filmmakers, I feel that a lot of times their style overtakes the substance of their films. Mm-hmm. So. especially if you watch the big shot okay which is a really good film i obviously love that film mm-hmm. but even in, even while watching that film the style is so hyper realistic that it kind of keeps taking you out of the actual events because yeah. that film is based on such an interesting concept right it's not a, mm-hmm. it's not for everyone right even yeah. i am not a, not an economic expert clearly but yeah. still it, that didn't have to be so you know hyper stylistic and all and mm-hmm. that that film just felt too much for me yeah but speaking of directors and filmmakers like these agar right is the only filmmaker not the only but mm-hmm. he is the only filmmaker who stands out when it yeah. comes to having a distinct style because mm-hmm. he is one of those filmmakers who actually knows how to use style as a plot device and yeah. push yeah. his narrative through his style by yep. incorporating it very cleverly you know and that's yep. difficult so yeah okay. i was as we talked i was not going to watch that his first feature amateur film that he made <laughs> but uh, well, whatever was... you've described the experience of watching an adam mckay film and like uh hmm. like some adam mckay films i uh, but, but yeah i whatever you have told about that that's very true of a fistful of fingers which is exactly, fine yeah. i think i mean even uh, the movie and strangely enough the director he reminds me of right is kind of a uh, a younger much less obnoxious in person uh, quentin tarantino mm. and uh, i'm not criticizing his movies qt fans i am criticizing yeah, yeah. his love for how he expresses love for film mm. uh it's and and weirdly enough a fistful of fingers kind of reminded me Of a less polished version of Mart ko dard nahi hota by Vasan Bala, because Vasan Bala is also a movie geek, and uh, it's like in his first movie, it's like you know the urge to put everything into your first movie because you know you think you're just gonna make that. It's there yeah. in Office Full of Fingers, so like it's completely like everything is thrown in. So bombarding you with his own absolutely stuff everything that yeah. he needs to see. So as I said that I was not even going to, I was not even going to bother myself of watching that film. Yeah, but yeah. we talked about it right you told me yeah. that it's okay if you skip over it it's not a big deal but you know try yeah. watching it and i was like ah dikhte matlab if i get time i'll sit through it yeah. and just this today actually i came from college and i was like sitting and going through some youtube videos kind of preparing for this uh, episode that we were going to record and i started listening to that guy's interviews right agar right mm-hmm. interviews i started listening to i listened to a podcast that he was on Mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god <laughs> the way he talks about films like 
he talked about how he started making films as a young boy with his own friends in around the compound you know being inspired mm-hmm. by dirty harry and all those spaghetti westerns and the films that came after right yeah. and i was like oh my god i have to watch <laughs> this film it's like on youtube yeah. right and i watched it and i was like i was having a blast while watching okay. it okay you you really I went it. In, yeah i because i went in knowing right i mm-hmm. went in knowing where he was coming from and all yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was like even in the moments where i was like oh my god this is so bad i was like <laughs> in a complete awe you know i respect yeah. whenever see for me it's always been fascinating going back to the root of, of such established yeah. filmmakers like if there's uh when Christopher Nolan comes to mind, right? Like his first film, following the black Follow. and white film. Yeah. So it's always fun going back to such filmmakers' initial films, you know, their yeah. debut, and especially like um, David Lynch's Eraserhead, right? So that mm-hmm. movie, like all these movies, for some reason, they whenever we watch these films, it's like quite easily it could have been summed up in a, in twenty minutes, right? it yeah. could have easily been a 15 20 minute short film but no because they want that feature debut ka tag they just keep yeah. going and going and they keep dragging it and um, throwing all their ideas they go all crazy with it and yeah. it's just fascinating you know retrospectively visiting such films yeah yeah i mean yeah. just to like go into the fistful of fingers a little bit not not like narratively or anything but i was just like narratively yeah. is like not a not, not even word yeah. to, yeah. to describe that film No, but I think mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I was kind of looking at is like, oh, that scene kind of appears a little bit in Hot Fuzz, where he's like entering into this village, uh, where mm-hmm. where everyone is there, and I was like, oh, interesting. And then there's like a little bit of the rhythmic editing, which he do the, he like cuts between shots in in a way that mimics music sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, which is a, a whole other. He made a whole film on that, so that's a separate topic we'll get to later. But, uh, mm-hmm. but. like all those moments i was kind of like enjoying and then there were a couple of jokes i remember which were like you know people misinterpreting one each other's words and like just making like double entendre sort of sexual jokes like that and i was like yeah it's fun in that way but then it's also 77 minutes long so so i was like okay uh, <laughs> i mean i could do with like cutting off half an hour at least of this and then it won't be called a movie so yeah uh yeah but, but but as again as aryan said that a great if if someone wants to go look look at like the roots of someone and this is like unpolished edgar right so you can see how he developed from there uh in a way that that i think uh, is very productive i've never watched space which is the one thing we're not going to talk about and we are not going to talk about the documentary which neither of us has seen i think right the sparks brother documentary yeah, yeah. the sparks brothers documentary My- all my knowledge about the sparks brothers comes from anetta soundtrack yeah, yeah. same yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's go yeah i know same so but i'm i'm curious i'll probably be watching todd haynes's documentary of velvet underground and sparks brothers very soon yeah. uh anyway so we'll uh off off with a fistful of fingers we'll probably move on now to shaun of the dead so what's the plan Right. We take Pete's car. We drive over to Mum's. We go in. We take care of Philip. I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum. We go over to Liz's place. Pull up. Have a cup of tea and wait for all this to blow over. Why have we got to go to Liz's? 
because we do. She dumped you? I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. All right, gay. I'm not staying there, though. Why not? If we hole up, I want to be somewhere familiar, I want to know where the exits are, and I want to be allowed to smoke. OK. Take Pete's car, go round Mum's, go in, deal with Philip. Sorry, Philip. Grab Mum, go to Liz's, pick her up, bring her back here, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Perfect. No, 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 wait, we can't bring her back here. Why not? Well, it's not exactly safe, is it? Mm, yeah. The state of it. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? <sighs> Take car, go to Mum's, kill Phil. Sorry. Grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! This awesome first feature. Yeah, like how to describe the influence and the and the still longevity, like the cult following. So hey, and but but like how to even? I think the one of the things I really struggled with, you know, in this, I was like, what in this episode will be be saying which might not have been already said, you know? Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the things we'll say might actually appear <laughs> slightly repetitive to a lot of the discourse that's been done on right and. There's been a lot done on Edgar Wright, which is which is a great thing actually. I was like so glad to know how many people actually care for this much uh, Edgar Wright films, and it's not like a Terence Malick affair for me. Like it's it's not. Just and yet, movie. and yet, the surprising thing is that only one of his films has actually done well at the box office. Yeah, I mean, and this, like, this, yeah. I, I guess the first, like the Shaun of the Dead and all, did well in a sort of very indie way, right? Like they didn't, yeah. they didn't completely break through. The only one mm -hmm. that broke through is uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Yeah. I mean, Scott Pilgrim is a box of his bones. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. And uh, seemingly, Last is... Soho is also, but like that's yeah. also because of like COVID stuff. So we can't like. No, break. not just COVID, man. It's it, it it's not just COVID, but yeah, we'll get. Later, we'll yeah. get to it later. Uh, but but yeah, so Shaun of the Dead. What what do you think, Aryan? I'm going to pass it on to you. I I mean I have lots of thoughts, but we we can start there. Yeah. <laughs> so Shaun of the Dead. Okay. So for a long long time, I I was being told by some of my friends that oh my god, Aryan watched this movie, and I was like ah, ah zombie and all. I don't know, man. And yeah. then I watched it quite late. Okay, I watched it for the first time like two or three years back. Two years yeah. back, I guess. And I. I started watching it at, at around like midnight and mm -hmm. oh my god I was like instantly okay just upon my first viewing while watching it hmm. this this I remember this feeling okay if not the movie entirely I remember this feeling of going oh my god this has to be one of the best setups one of the best first acts I've ever seen in a film mm -hmm. especially of this nature and yep. From that point on, I was like, oh my God, this movie <laughs> fucking blew my mind away. Okay. And yeah. then I watched it for the second time just recently. Yeah. In fact, I didn't even know the whole time that we would be recording this podcast. Yeah. So I was just, I was going to have some uh, alcohol that night. And yeah. I was like, I poured some vodka and I was like, hmm, very impulsively. I was like, yeah, what should I watch? And then I. I was like, oh my god! Of course, it's it's been about it's about time that I rewatched this stupid 
silly and yet incredibly made film and i yeah. tuned into it and i loved it even more obviously as yeah. agarite films yeah as agarite films generally do feel yeah. on second viewing multiple viewing so yeah and i was like it it's just watching his film it's like the pacing and all of it all okay it's just yeah. so fucking incredible and for mm. a filmmaker to also weave in such emotionally gut emotional gut gut punch in the script mm. while yeah. landing this you know joke yeah. after joke it's mm-hmm. i think i think i'll just go ahead and say this yeah. shawn yeah. of the dead easily has the perfect comedy is to drama ratio out of all his films i okay. agree and with it saying something yeah. yeah i mean i agree i think uh, to me that's that's the one thing maybe edgar wright films aren't talked about that much how mm-hmm. good some of the dramatic portions in the, his work are like i think we like of course the comedy is fantastic like it's hard to deny how i mean i was i messaged sanjeet after watching the entire filmography of uh, edgar wright i was like how do people watch other comedies after watching an edgar wright film like who puts in this much amount of effort detail precision everything into a film as much as edgar wright does right because yeah. every frame is so jam packed with information and like an information that will further go ahead and make a recurring sort of point to it it's not just background detail background is mm-hmm. always informing the foreground which is one thing i had noted that like, you know background is never like stationary it's always like completely in conversation it's with what's happening yeah it's all, always in conversation with whatever's happening in the drama itself like i mean the cliche of an example which we'll give in shawn of the dead is that tracking shot right the long tracking shot with that rever- that uh, <laughs> repeats itself yeah. twice and then it's basically a spot the difference which shawn doesn't spot which is see that on a on a technical level and on like sort it's of good. a gag level it's fantastic mm. but this time i was like it's such a clever way of showing how shawn himself is kind of in his head and can't move on from whatever grow up i guess that's that's the whole film is about kind of growing up right yeah, uh, exactly. so we'll get when i when we get to the world's end i'll refer back to one element of shawn of the dead which is i think even better in retrospect mm. uh mm-hmm. but but yeah the combination of gags and uh, I, I, the one uh, and we are talking spoilers here right it's 2004 movie in 2021 watch it firstly and then come back to some and a cult classic yeah and a cult classic so come on i mean who if you watch zombie land and not watch one of the the dead shame on you uh but uh anyways like i think one of the f- things that i i really loved this time was was him taking those uh flowers the mm. flowers for his mother yeah who, he gives them like trying to to his girlfriend saying mm. that whatever like trying to whatever make make her happy i guess in that sense yeah, yeah. and she sees the label of happy birthday mom and and he's basically like uh <laughs> that's the extension of the joke that ha uh-huh. exactly that's, i mean she yeah. realizes that uh it's for his mom and then he goes the next day to the pub uh, next night to the pub when he when his girlfriend's broken up with her with him and then he throws the flowers in the dustbin right uh, which is always of course done in a way which is uh, edgar wrightish so zoom or dolly and smash cut white pan and short uh, and smash cut like oh, that's the three things i think and then Whip when pass, he thro- yeah. 
yeah and then he when he throws it in there it's it's like oh which filmmaker will later get that same come back to it come mm. back to it that small and incidental a moment come back mm. to it it speaks volumes you yeah. know that sort of elevates the drama and and it's such a effective moment with with mm. his mother his mother exactly. realizes through the flowers that his son who generally gets these useless flowers said by bill nai's character uh and she realizes that so soon and then she, her, her one of her last moments is to say thank you for those flowers and it's such a poignant moment mm-hmm. i was uh, I, i i've seen the film countless number of times now but like every time that scene gets me it's just such a emotionally charged moment i think like if you're using like the minutest of details to like create that amount of pathos like in in amongst a scene in which just before that everyone has beaten an old man on the beat of uh, you're having a good time by queen so like yeah, it's queen. like it's like the <laughs> amount of uh, tonal uh, thing here going on which and it feels so organic it's like incredible there's just it's, it's like one of those films which is so packed with stuff uh, it's that so- i can so difficult it's so difficult to talk about an egaride film and make sure that you're also well at articulating your thoughts into words because you're always so overwhelmed oh. by all the emotions by revisiting all the emotions replaying all those emotions that yeah. hit you in your head while watching the film and yeah. that's what i feel is that there's two films right the one that you watch and then after finishing off the one that plays in your head it okay. yeah, goes yeah, on yeah. playing in your head mm-hmm. and that's one of the key reasons why most of the egaride films aren't very well received to be very honest mm. aren't will aren't very well received at the box office by the audience at that time okay even mm. if they are it's not to be very honest it's not a lot of people right yeah. that actually respect his films while they're out in the theaters yeah. okay but they gain like look at every film the guys made okay in the past yeah. like yeah. after 2003 right this was his dip, this was his first film yeah. and after yeah. this film every film that the guys made it has more respect now it it gets more support from cinephiles and from even general audiences right from yeah. everyone now than it ever did back then back <clears> during its release because yeah. people now have that time to you mm. know look back and see yeah. get, that oh my god look at all the other movies that other filmmakers are making like no offense to other filmmakers <laughs> but and look at this guy's films okay even yep. with the handful yep. of films he's just made hmm. there's something that you leave in your mind there's something that it leaves in your mind after watching it yeah it's amazing it's, i think it's it's you know uh, there's that difference a lot of times we will point out about critics and filmmakers right hmm. or cinephiles and filmmakers also if hmm. i were to make a f- if i were to make a film ever right me being my sort of cinephile thing what i'll do is i'll i'll try and sort of chuck in all my sort of touchstones and influences and whoever i sort of revere so much but not provide a way in and i think what edgar right has that ability to go he does he does a lot of borrowing he does it shamelessly he pays homage he does everything right he's not he's not one of those filmmakers and this he said in an interview which he loves to bear his influences out like he doesn't really care he wants to share his love of cinema to a lot of people mm-hmm. but he never does that or like in his best work at least never does that at the cost of his own 
characters and his own world and yeah. i think matching that is no small feat i think because like you know a lot of times it's very easy to get lost in references and like get lost in some some person whose work you revere like shona the red can so easily come off as a knockoff of like night of the living dead or whatever like those were his major inspirations and then italian stuff italian horror is generally yeah. a big inspiration for him so i think if he manages to like and I, we are just praising right here for some reason but i mean the other collaborators on the film like primarily the actors the two actors yeah. who basically <laughs> appeared in everything uh, with him in the cornetto trilogy oh, no, uh, simon peg and nick frost peg probably also co-wrote this i'm not sure if he co-wrote yeah. uh, shaun uh, of the dead he co-wrote he co-wrote all three right all three yeah and three, that's yeah. not when when you were saying that he's very uh, he makes sure that he also incorporates his own vision with actually fleshed out characters in every film of his even though he knows that he's borrowing a lot and is influenced a lot by these uh, french films and obviously tarantino to a certain extent and all but i think he the his his greatness doesn't come from this that his greatness seeps off through this screen hmm. by knowing that i can't speak, speak on his behalf right yeah. but it seems that he himself acknowledges this fact and yeah. that's why every film of his he is yeah. collaborating with a with someone or the other on his screen yeah. and yeah. that stands out we cannot no one can talk about the conduit trilogy without talking about simon without talking about how fucking good simon said and like <laughs> right we'll, together we'll we'll get to the simon peg appreciation because this is like <laughs> uh, like you know people know probably of peg a lot more from the american films he's done i mean yeah, he's, yeah. i think he's fantastic in in some of them also but uh, mm. as a showcase of a comedic actor who has serious dramatic chops like mm. i mean just watch shaun of the dead he is so incredible in in the dramatic scenes in this he really breaks breaks you when he like kind of has those emotional moments and they're small emotional moments they're not like big big whatever uh they don't last even long because the action has to keep on going you're like in a zombie ap- apocalypse you're not allowed to like sit down mm-hmm. and grieve for a lot of time right even though the zombies are slow okay creatures but whatever mm-hmm. uh so but, but the idea is more to do with uh, him being so integral to uh the success of this and nick frost too i think he he plays a variation of uh his roles in this but like he is like the perfect comedic uh match up with uh, uh Sean, uh Sean see i always mix up Sean and Simon for some reason uh Simon Pegg's uh character here mm. i think uh what i think i was like thinking about especially in this regard and i think i read a couple of things uh about right in general and and someone said this really thing this thing that really stuck out to me was basically that he's not someone who's like necessarily subverting horror tropes someone this someone who wrote this is by the way peter labuza who's also has, who's on letterbox he's very intelligent guy uh he had written this uh that he's not someone who's uh, a subverter of hollywood tropes but he's someone who consistently wants to show you how much he's in love with them and it makes a lot of sense uh and he he shows his love for them by adding his own touches to it i think Mm-hmm. uh like you know the again the stylistic ticks are now talked about a lot so but, but like we can just briefly go over them because it's like uh the visual thing you know the visual comedy of things entering the frame and exiting the frame in like uh in their own unique way superbly timed you know i'm guessing it requires a lot of timing to like 
perfect that movement uh then there's the the traditional sort of editing thing which he does is like the smash cut uh and i think it's always very interesting to me how he does it with like like routine stuff like it kind of uh you know spreading that jam on the butter or like whatever the uh, jam on the butter what am i saying jam on the toast uh and then uh then like whatever going from one place to another to another like you know it's a weird thing where you know you stylize that daily routine but like it also makes it more grounded in realism a little bit because you know you're kind of so it's a very uh, nice combination i think that way and even yeah. the editing like it never comes across as shitty quick cut jump editing shit okay it's like so well intertwined in the story okay it yeah. gets you in the momentum and even yeah. like jumping as you said that even the dramatic emotional moments are not like long lasting okay they are like spread yeah. in like chunks right yeah. they are not and it doesn't even feel repetitive and when the tone changes you mm-hmm. feel like as with the movie you go along with the flow with with the tone yeah. of it all it's never abruptly done unlike yeah. a lot of marvel films and all right wow. and that that's what i was thinking you know while while we watching uh, shawn of the dead last week that's what i felt that oh my god it makes so much sense now and i know that this film that i am all about i'll be referring to that film was written by a lot of writers i guess three or four writers collaborated on it but this makes so much sense because when i think of mcu films only a few stand out who, who actually successfully juggle this uh, as we talked about the drama mm-hmm. and com- comedic ratio yeah. very ideally right mm-hmm. it it might be like thor ragnarok is the obvious one then mm-hmm. ant man the first ant man which was co-written by yeah, yeah, he was attached to it for so long Uh, yeah as a i mean his influences are so clear in the first time exactly. it's like it's exactly. like they did give him credit for whatever it's worth like they did give yeah. him writing credit and they made him executive producer mm-hmm. uh, so but but yeah I, he it's such a perfect film for his his style also i think like that antman is such a hatke hero kind of exactly. in that sense right yeah. uh but yeah it's uh, it's such a there were a couple of other things uh, i wanted to talk about in this shawn of the dead thing but i'm help me out here arjun go ahead <laughs> is there more stuff to say about your love for the i just i just ask you one question which yeah. might sum up a lot of like it might act as an umbrella question yeah. so tell me your favorite moment from the film and why in shawn of the dead yes i mean my favorite moment is probably the one with the, the mother only panel Penelope Wilton plays the mother. Yeah. Uh the other favorite one of my favorite moments is uh, and this is also a stylistic take of course uh the exposition via visual stuff uh, and it's done in the beginning when you get to know how the zombie <laughs> apocalypse is happening. Yeah. And Sean is switching through television channels and exactly. the television channels each of them is telling you the exact thing that is going on. But right you <laughs> yeah exactly and shawn has like literally been out <laughs> and seen stuff and he still doesn't realize it so like the element of you know and the, what i'm saying sounds a very sort of technical appreciation but you know the mm-hmm. joy of watching someone mm-hmm. do that on screen like it's your kindness it's the laughing but i think more importantly you're smiling ear to ear you're just like mm-hmm. jesus christ like how well 
exactly it's been structured yeah. like do you understand the meaning of how well something can be made because you you're so fucking overwhelmed while, while watching it in that moment that you just stop caring about like it's just because it's working on all the levels right you know yep. you're smiling not just because it's funny you're smiling yep. because you're in awe of this complete art that's unfolding in front of you because this guy somehow these guys have made it work they have made it yep. successful to like it's working on all the levels right it's working on the comedic level it's working it narratively it makes it makes sense yep. and obviously the editing the technical craft of it all yeah and yeah so my favorite moment would be the scene that follows right after this one that you were talking about okay they discover that oh. all zombie in the garden and <laughs> they, yeah and it's just like already there was a lot of you know uh, john is uploading and all when we see him waking up like right after the credits roll we see him wake up like and a zombie the camera fo- yeah the camera follows right from his feet and yeah. we slowly gradually yeah. see him as a standing there and at first it's been implied that oh my god uh, it's some zombie standing and making some weird noise <laughs> and then it's it revealed that it's him waking up I after mean, the hangover the whole title credits themselves are so oh in, my in, 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 great in that way right because it's the whole oh we are already zombies bit of it and, and, and it's like <laughs> Exactly. such a nice way to integrate it also it's like done in a funny tongue in cheek way and it's like really uh, clever uh, so yeah as an audience we we might be thinking by that point at the last scene up until that scene of the garden that comes on tab mm. tak we as an audience already feel that they are probably done with playing this gag because uske pehle the sequence was there uh, the that parking sequence that you talked about when he goes to the market gets this thing and it yeah, things are happening in yeah. the background right at that yeah, time yeah. also like he sees so, someone eating yeah, like yeah. a <laughs> he sees a man eating like a bird and i was like and, okay, yeah. sure. he's like i don't have anything i don't have change and he just yeah, yeah. yeah he's busy eating his cornetto yeah one <laughs> of the many subtle uh yeah, yeah. the cornetto yeah, yeah. cornetto is basically yeah, yeah. like a consistent theme across his uh, all three which, movies yeah all three films yeah, yeah. Okay. and yeah so as an audience we might be thinking by that point jab wo scene garden ka scene aata hai we might be thinking that they are probably over this thing now they'll just get to the action of it all and yeah. they're just done with this then then with this gag but no <laughs> they have something else for you they are not going to stop here they look yeah. at her they look at that woman standing in the garden from Mary, behind Mary, and they are just yeah yeah and they are just standing there and we think that oh my god this is the scene where the ice would finally break but yeah. no what do they say oh my god she's so drunk <laughs> and it's like i lost my shit okay in that moment i was like fuck this shit this movie is amazing like you have me you have me by my balls man yeah i mean it's, then, it's also i mean there's the whole infamous sequence now right where the whole plot is revealed in in the bar sequence yeah uh, whole whole thing is foreshadowed when they when nick frost basically tells them mm-hmm. about this thing that they're going to do uh, and like <laughs> they mention they're going to have like the bloody mary and like there's the whole interlude and everything and it's just like yeah like i don't know how they like re if they reengineered it from like the events like did they but it never feels like they reengineered it it always feels like the nick frost moment came first and then the next moment like the actual plot development of it all it's, it's so amazing. like 
amazing yeah. i mean even the <laughs> gore i think uh, the the one small criticism and i'm see uh, like we'll we can keep on fanboying about this because we do love the guy but the one small criticism i have is the scares kind of are a little like there's a jump scary quality to it which i thought was a little like annoying especially with the effects yeah uh, except there's one scene which is quite genuinely disturbing and has like cronenberg horror to it like the body horror element where david who's a prick in the film gets uh, eaten alive by zombies and uh, oh, right. that scene has proper, like physical gro- like it's yeah, yeah. pretty yucky uh, so that right. that was one scene which uh, which i thought was effective horror wise but otherwise the horror is more or less like on the back burner it's more a comedy i think but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah it's just too good to like sort of uh... you're watching watching his future films like watching his uh, recent films now mm-hmm. when one looks back at uh, shawn of the dead you realize that he perfectly got the gist of it all while making this film because he knew yep. that at the end of the day he is still telling a story on a character's behalf right it, it, it mm-hmm. is like kind of a coming of age story about this it guy is, yeah. who's stuck somewhere it's the horror element the the entire comedic and zombie element is just the backdrop right of course, and yeah. great great genre films great filmmakers realize this yeah i mean yeah yeah i mean it's also like if someone wants to say like you know the common criticism against a right film could be that it's surface it's yeah. there's no got much underneath it i mean mm. but if you want to read into it then there's a lot to do with consumer culture and like uh, <laughs> consumerism like joby night of the living dead was doing right a lot of the <laughs> yeah. people are zombies before and after also mm. and like the way they like correct society is by taking these zombies as like these workers like mm. that whole thing is also there like the whole key uh, what you do with like these people is not like help mm. them or anything but make them like your servants kind of basically like that exactly yeah, but then i think one of the things which i i really really liked you know this time around and we are back to liking the film because we don't have any other criticisms uh like it's just the ending of it is so like subtly mature i think because you know and show, and worlds end uh, will do this i think much more overtly which is my sort of problem with it uh but but here the ending is not that he needs to grow up and not be the person he is he is very much the person he is and he's re- realized that he has to have some responsibilities so i think it's finding that balance between being a grown up and still maintaining uh the man childness thank of, of- god you thank god you brought that up because i was genuinely hoping that you bring this up and it's like i didn't li- i didn't realize this till much later that a lot of people don't hmm. seem to like the ending they feel like it's forced typical good ha- like happy ending type of a thing like it's a cliche yeah. to end a film which was so dramatically good and even obviously comedically it excelled all the levels yeah. but a lot of people felt that this felt a bit forced but no it it acknowledges Perfectly the fact that yeah. yeah it acknowledges the fact that simon pick's character sean he knows he really he realizes this by now that i know i shouldn't be stuck at this point in my life i should actually take some responsibilities and move on and acknowledge yep. the uh, la- acknowledge all the difficulties that that life would be throwing at me right yep. but, but he also knows that it's totally it's totally okay to also embrace your past of and course, yeah, so yeah. totally okay to embrace the fun elements of your life and you know it's yeah, i mean it's such a it's such a, a, a touching <laughs> ending also like like him exactly. going to the back garden and just like 
playing yeah. PlayStation with zombies. And even even this is what this is the brilliance of Edgar Wright's writing. Okay, and Simon Pegg's obviously mm-hmm. that. even metaphorically if you look at it and i know that i'm looking maybe way too deep into look, a film look, that's fine look look at it yeah look. but that's see the fun we can go on talk we can go on and on talking about egorite's film about how fun his films are hmm. but the actual thing that needs more attention i feel and which already has a lot more attention now uh, hmm. compared to what it had earlier that a lot of people don't realize how meaningful and deep deep his films actually are because there's so much subtext okay it's not just mm. setting up jokes after jokes and all there's obviously all that meta thing that hyper realistic style and all but mm. there's so much people lying undercurrent of it because if you look at it he is uh, chilling with his girlfriend right while yeah. watching the tv he's like acting like a mature guy finally yeah. coming of age story and all and yeah. then he goes in the backyard okay yeah. to a cabin type of a thing yeah. and he goes there and it's his like little comfort corner yeah. and that's how it's like so yeah it just spoke to me so much i mean a lot of actually, yeah. yeah no go ahead sorry finish your thought i was no very... because he's actually yeah. like going to the soft corner that he has at a secluded corner of his house and he's just going there and having his time and yeah. he knows that sooner or later this is going to end so i might as yeah. well you know he had the best out of it and it's uh, it could have been anywhere okay but yeah agarite chose to shoot it in that like cabin yeah i mean that it's very so much about life you know uh, i never I, i honestly never thought of it like that but it's such a good uh, way of thinking about the ending i mean i've read a lot of i mean i guess people do it in a way which is more sna- not snarky but it's it's like funny in the uh, face but there is a genuine gay subtext in all of the three films in all the <laughs> uh i mean there's a proper gag in this where where like one of them is talking about uh, uh that he is i think david mentions to shawn that you know uh, what about your boyfriend like this guy and he's like he's not my boyfriend and then nick frost is like uh, here's the uh, here's the beer love or something like that and i was like it's such a cute moment between yeah exactly them. and he says sure honey and he says something like yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So they have like that affectionate thing going between us like i can also see it as friendship as a sort of straight man i see it more as like a friendship thing but yeah, yeah. but if if you want to read it as if you yeah. want to read it as like a gay subtext thing you can i think also yeah. because the film never forces it on you which exactly. some film we talked about recently and that's how that's how you do your that's how you push your ideas you know that's how you hmm. put ideas that need to be the focus of your culture right yeah. that's how you do responsible filmmaking not by making it seem all preachy and tendentious right that this is and another thing that i wanted to talk so also about is that like a backhanded <laughs> slap to a couple of films we've talked about but yes yeah definitely yeah finally we are talking good about a film yeah. like without getting into all the nitpicks and all yeah. yeah so you mentioned this word right just a minute ago or you used the word man child and that's how i would describe the entire Uh, cognitive trilogy yep. if i was given a choice right so this yep. is the entire cognitive trilogy is about a man child okay yep. and to make it like to execute it in such a mature and responsible way and obviously in such a fun way hmm. it's so good man yep. and as you said it's it's really one of the best unofficial trilogies yep. of our time yep. so can i assume that this is your favorite of the three oh no <laughs> it's not it your is, favorite it is it is a uh, i guess 
Okay, so it's a tie between this and another film that we'll talk about. Okay. I think it's a tie. I I do appreciate like on all the levels. I do think this is as a film. Okay, as yep. an individual, this is easily Edgar Wright's best film. Not even the Connor to Dragons. Okay, for yep. me, this is his best individual film. But yeah, uh, I have some thoughts. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, I think I have a I have a more uh, I have a personal favorite. which is my like favorite favorite but uh, but as in terms of sort of everything the everything quality of bringing uh, all sorts of emotions to something i think shonander is pretty much perfectly balanced uh, yeah i think we've rambled on fairly you know about shonander dead uh, we'll migrate to the second film in the trilogy which is my favorite unabashedly and very much uh, acknowledging that it's my favorite and aryan is also representing it by wearing the blue color Uh, so <laughs> it's hot fuzz Second of February. What year? Every year. Get out. Hey. When's your birthday? Uh, eighth of May, nineteen sixty-nine. You're thirty-seven. Yeah. Get out. When's your birthday? Uh. Out. Is there a problem, officer? Yes, there is, Mr. Porter. It would appear a number of your patrons are underage. Well, you would have made me a month or two south of proper, but if they're in here, it stops them getting into trouble out there. Yeah, you know, the way we see it, it's all for the greater good. The greater good. Well, that's as may be, but the law's the law, and they'll have to go. Oh. Another cranberry juice. I'm fine, thank you. Which is a 2007 release, I think. Yeah, and it's. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think we can. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is more of a cult classic than Hot Fuzz, which is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I uh, Hot Hot Fuzz is getting like a reappraisal or something of late, but I think some Hot Fuzz still... already has a Hot Fuzz already has a cult inside it, na? Yes, <laughs> this is so, yes, sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. No, no, it's good. Yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, it's it's my favorite, and it's my favorite. I'll be very honest. Like the simple thing is, I haven't laughed. in any other film as much as i've laughed in hot fuzz and i mm. i can watch that film a gazillion times and keep on laughing because that film literally every time makes me cry with laughter almost it's it's just and i i've posted about this like the laugh per minute ratio is just off the charts in that film like it begins and ends and i'm literally on the floor and I, it's surprising to me that uh the way the movie the direction the final direction the film takes and i think that's a point a lot of people kind of find a little jarring mm-hmm. but when the film yeah. decides to completely let loose of like and become <laughs> like a michael bay film and i i was like uh, like uh, when when i was reaching rewatching it now i was like will that portion work for me now mm-hmm. and that portion literally was on fire for me this time i was laughing like anything so mm-hmm. so yeah i mean Honestly, I think I'll I'll be 
very uh, that annoying fanboy when it comes to hot hot fuzz. So Aryan, you you take over the reins <laughs> and be more productive. Yeah, I'll I'll probably do the annoying job of toning some of your energy and over enthusiasm down for this movie. Yeah. So for me, uh, hot fuzz like Shaun of the Dead is obviously an A plus, but yeah. for me, Shaun hot fuzz is uh, okay like a B plus. But but hmm. if we just talk about its first half and yeah. uh, the first two acts are like easily A plus and especially hmm. the first act of Hot Fuzz, it's like Shaun of the Dead. Firby till uh, to a certain extent was like okay, the movie is still it's just beginning, right? Take yeah. your time and all. Like yeah. you'll, you'll just get used to the tone and all. Hot Fuzz is like <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you have plans for sleeping tonight? <laughs> Fuck it, okay. <laughs> Let me take you on a fucking journey, and you dare? I promise that you won't even feel sleepy. You won't yeah. even realize that these one hour forty minutes of your night has passed. Okay, and it yeah. just gets you into that zone. Mm. And easily mm. one of the best montages of that decade of that entire decade of filmmaking, if not the best. Like, oh my god, the is this the one uh, uh, which which is in every frame of painting a video, uh, which is like. Oh. Uh, no, no, uh, yeah. that yeah, yeah, that. Oh my God! Thank God that you referred to that video. I've literally made notes. Okay, yeah. I've just made like key notes that I would mention these two videos on YouTube. Actually, yep. three, but there's this one every frame of painting a video which says yep. Edgar Wright how to do visual comedy. Okay, which is like yep. a great video. I don't yep. know where that super popular. Is also, I think it's one of the most yeah, popular, popular video popular. essays, right? I think. Yeah, but that channel like doesn't have much. Oh, uh, doesn't operate now. I think he yeah, left. Yeah. No, he's he's. Yeah. now doing that boya thing with uh like whatever david fincher and uh, oh i didn't know that guy david prior who made one of the cult films or cult classic films of recent sort of times they they did something where they are collaborating with a number of vid- uh, film essayists like video essays to like oh, showcase oh. their work so something like that so he's in it every frame of painting that's anyways good. very minor digression that was go ahead what no, 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 that's So this yeah, okay. uh, this other video uh, uh, by Studio Binder, obviously, which is called "Like a Right on How He Writes and Directs His Movies," and yeah. the third video by probably one of my favorite like top three channels on YouTube, which is called Thomas Flight, and that uh, in one of his videos, the guy literally breaks down Baby Driver's opening act. It's hmm. brilliant. Yeah, I love We're that. We're trying time. to. I'll try to get him sometime. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thomas Flight okay. to the show See, because I'll uh, just sit here, Shanti, sir, without speaking <laughs> a word. I'll be like, I mean, I'll get him on uh, for the Terence Malick episode. Don't worry. Oh my, uh, obviously, yes. that, that's my that's my way in. No, like that's the only yeah. way I can force more Malick into our conversation. This is this might be the only podcast or recording ever on the internet which actually has. Edgar Wright and Terence Malick, both of the directors, mentions in like one video. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, yeah, fair okay. enough. I think that's a He's sign for us to concentrate. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you were I saying about. I know it's about... late in the night, but yeah. <laughs> you were saying about. I'm trying about... to give you some of that hot first kinetic energy, please. No, I have all the kinetic energy of hot first, but I'm <laughs> like right now I do not in general, uh, but. Uh, no, but I was yeah. so you were getting to the third act, which I know is a problem for a lot of people. Uh, what yeah. is the problem? Can I please know? <laughs> no, for me, more than a problem, it's just a bit. I know that it's. I don't know, man. It's just very jarring. <laughs> and it's I know the moment where he point. goes back to the village, right? And then he's. Yeah. It's the fade to black. Yeah. 
after he sees the yeah. video cover on the on the yes. shelf and then it becomes mm-hmm. a proper bay action movie yeah but i know that it also makes sense narratively because there were mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know implications to that happening when they were like watching bad guys and all that shit okay, yeah, yeah. which is like yeah, one yeah. of the best like comic moments in a film yep. of past decade yeah right yeah. so that was all great but then it just felt and more than that even then i i was like on the ride okay once mm. it all started i was like oh my god and mm. then again the last act like the last act of the film uh, when it cuts back like there's a time jump of something right and it is mm. that this felt like there's a time jump yeah like there's which... a time jump like uh, some six months later or something like that when everything Ooh, goes like that's back, a scene no? yeah when like we realized scene. that Yeah, yeah, he's alive. Like, uh, Danny yeah. Button. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that yeah, the yeah. next close characters? Oh yeah, I see. I understand. I understand the point. And whereas, yeah. whereas I loved Shaun of the Dead's ka ending, which like kind of subverted that thing. I loved yeah. that, but there was a reason there, which I just yeah. <laughs> uh, went on for right yeah, yeah. for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, but this time in this movie, it just didn't feel organic. It's it just felt very. tagged on and no no i, I get know, i get right? totally i think the direction this movie goes in is like literally opposite like it goes it, it because it's following the dude right the mm-hmm. can't even say the dude because then it's like they're lebowski <laughs> because it's fo- following sergeant angle or angel or whatever you want to call him uh i mean it's written angle though right so if you want to uh follow his character trajectory right it begins as this super serious dude uh who's like properly into like investigations and everything and he's like super in tune with everything i just see the last act as uh, at as him turning off his brain mm. it's like the signal that i mean one can i was like that fade to black could also mean that he never, like again reading too much into it but fade to black could also mean that the, whatever happens in the end is basically a dream sequence i think mm. like he oh, goes back to town and this is him like watching that movie whatever he sees that cover like he puts oh, the disc on and basically him imagining what oh my god i've never thought of it that way i uh, this time only i was like oh i can i can try to convince people that because, this, uh, what it means no but it doesn't matter like i mean again that I, I, yeah. but it's just like who can like again is the undeniable like construction of it all is so impressive again it's just like how do you uh, like every line is a gag almost no, every single laugh. line is a gag I, and not a I forced laughed, gag i laughed a lot more while watching hot fuzz than shawn of the dead especially it's that just, first yeah yeah it just i mean so there's like so many popular moments now it's like the fascist and hack callback like oh it's just like yeah. who like so, there's such a great callback there and i also have a great fondness of films that lay out their mystery in a way where everything is present in front of your eyes but nothing you can see kind of and hot fuzz does that like in spades like mm. it's it's like littered around i mean the names of the people in the village are mr skinner <laughs> mr hatcher reverend shooter which is one of my favorite names in a, in a film right so like it's so uh, like knowingly funny in that sense that i, I just like completely and lose it this i know i mean this is such a good excuse and i don't mean that in a disrespectful or in like a criticism way at yeah. all okay it's such a great excuse for your 
for you to make this movie work while acknowledging that oh it's just a parody okay we are just yep. like playing a parody version of uh, uh yeah. bad guys and what movie yeah. bad boys and die hard die hard no there was the other one the catherine biglow one which is really point break point break oh, obviously point break yeah, and, point and, break. and he's this he's this like this would never happen <laughs> i know <laughs> i know it's so good like everything it's the mix, first no, it's the playing of of like angel and the nick frost character like they play off yeah. as like opposites and then the opposite cup play off is always very uh interesting and fascinating and i think exactly, yeah. there's a point in the film again and we'll move on quickly because i realize that we'll probably be like super over time if we keep on going <laughs> like this but my my one of my one of the things i really wanted to again bring attention to is just this fact that uh, like the flower moment in the mm. in shaun of the dead this of course doesn't have like the emotional weight of it in in hot fuzz but mm. there's a moment where like the japanese peace lily mm. his plant is mentioned like a gazillion times which is like his companion sergeant angels yeah. uh there's the there's an exact moment when he breaks that peace lily mm. that the film tips over into uh bad boys territory like oh. there is a scene where the plant breaks and he repeats a dialogue straight after where uh which mimics the bad boys scene and i was like brilliant oh my I was god like brilliant in terms of construction i was like just i lost my mind at that moment itself and uh, the thing is that like if you look at shawn of the dead okay that movie was about being complacent and this film is about like the second film in the trilogy yep. it is about like being overly ah uh, it, it's being the pick is overly sort of serious so it's like yeah. finding the balance Toning of now being Yeah, yeah, it's like I that, described that the first one as growing up. This is growing down, basically. Right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, and the thing is, I understand why this film didn't have those kind of dramatic moments yeah. because that film was about being complacent when it comes to life in general and yeah. being complacent in relationships. Yeah. This movie knows that it doesn't need to go in that territory. I mean, and it, it needs to loosen up. That, exactly. Right. It, it uses that to its maximum advantage, and it makes. It's it's just good man. It's just good storytelling. But again, that last act just. No, no, that's fair enough. I I yeah. just remember while you were speaking, I just remembered how funny the excuses are uh, for killing the people by the cult here. Oh right, <laughs> <Just> like and <laughs> and the other thing is that we we especially like in this Twitter era. we hmm. love tagging filmmakers right we love tagging everyone but yep. even when it comes to filmmakers we love tag- tagging them like oh this is a conservative filmmaker this is yep. a progressive filmmaker agar right is sitting over there and he's going like fuck you i don't belong to i don't do that tag shit i'll yep. make fun of communism i'll make fun of fascism in a, in my future movies i'll make fun of like vegans and all and it's like oh yeah yeah he's, he's going on his own trail and yep. this is great and that's those are the type of filmmakers that we need man it's just yep. so good so yep. it's very refreshing yeah okay i will i will let aryan end on that note because uh, <laughs> i can go on and on about hot fuzz and like yeah. we will basically not end anywhere uh and we also have to move on to like other films so Good evening, Raymondo. The prodigal son's return. Hi. Who's on the guest list tonight? Come again? The guest deals. We, sir, are doing the Golden Mile, and you have the honor of drawing first blood. <laughs> What do you recommend? There's one. It's crowning glory. Rather fitting. How's that? 
I'm Gary King. What? So tell me more. Uh, what? Crowning glory. Is it nutty? Is it foamy? Is it hoppy? Does it have a surprisingly fruity note which lingers on the tongue? Mm, spear. Mmm. We'll have five of those, please. No, sorry. Can we have four of those and a tap water, please? What? I don't believe this. A man of your legendary prowess drinking fucking rain. It's like seeing a, a lion eating some hummus. Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. The third film in the trilogy, the concluding film, which according to star host Sanjeet Singh is the is peak Edgar Wright, which I think Aryan might agree on and I might have to disagree on then. Uh, but, but, but yeah, Aryan, you can go ahead. I think you are more enthusiastic about it than, I mean, I really like it, but like, I have my problems with it also. So go ahead, rave about it. Like everyone does. Apparently it's the smart choice <laughs> for the best Edgar Wright movie. So you remember how we talked about how while watching that scene in Shaun of the Dead, you were just, you were like too overwhelmed. Like you didn't know whether to laugh or smile. And he just mm-hmm. went on smiling and smiling and smiling throughout that gag. Okay. Yeah. That was me throughout the last act, throughout the end portion of the World's End. World's End. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I told you that it might tie up with my with being my favorite mm-hmm. uh, yeah. film. It definitely is my favorite. Okay, so exactly, so you're and, you're yeah. in, you're with the newer trend of yes. people who like think he's uh, <laughs> this is his best film or whatever. It's easily an A plus for me because everything okay. that the guy was building up, everything that the guy was trying to say through the Cornetto trilogy, it all yeah. comes together very organically in this film and okay. the brilliance of it all is up until like 40 minutes into the film you'll have no idea what this film is about it's right? also very I, different right film like i think exactly. the first 40 minutes also don't have much of the right stylistics he is he wants to be more mature when it comes to making this film right yeah. and to be very honest i was this and i we talked right about this i was yeah. this for the first time yeah, yeah, yeah i'm actually glad that i waited for this long i watched this film hmm. for the first time ever like four days back yeah. and oh my god i actually watched it the night that i was going for last night in soho mm-hmm. and i watched i started watching it and i was like Oh my God, this is so good. And mm. I had just read, okay, I only knew that this was going to be a fantasy film. And mm. up until the 40 minute mark, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what this film? Like, I'm getting a very different vibe of this film. And mm. then it turns into something diff- completely different. And this is where I like to break that ice for you. And yeah. I like to compare it with Hot Fuzz because mm. that switch. That happens mm. in this film versus this mm. which that happens in Hot First. Mm. This is done so like this this film. Oh my god, I can. Oh, so you easily... like the okay? So I I think the switch. I think the sci-fi element is a bit jarring actually okay. to the okay. whole drama. Like mm. I so we are basically like think we both have different <laughs> opinions on how overtly uh, like how much the referencing is going on in Hot First and how much. Of it mm. is a drama in the world's end, and then it switches gears into sci-fi, right? Mm. I think that's uh, that's where we kind of differ. I think yeah, yeah. I'm not wrong here. I guess yeah. Though though I I've also realized that films about alcoholics in general might not be to my taste. Like mm. in general, like mm. I've see I don't like another round at all. 
I don't really okay. <laughs> around, right? So I think it's a it's quite overrated. Uh, so I think uh, in this, it's not about the alcoholism. Uh, I'll move through my complaints quickly so that you can rave about it. Which I, I'm very happy for this to be everyone's favorite Edgar Wright film, and to, for me to be wrong, that's that's no problem. Uh, but I just think, and I'll go back to Shaun of the Dead in this actually. That theme of finding a balance of growing up and growing down, right? Hmm. is there in shorn of the dead i think but it's done more deftly here yeah, i think exactly. here i think the slower slower pace and like you know that there's a lot of talking about uh, alcoholism and everything and i think that sometimes jars with also i think this is the laziest exposition edgar wright yeah. has done of a sci-fi yeah. plot i was like especially first, in the end <laughs> for the first time i was like okay i'm a bit like i i was surprised that edgar wright chose to do this scene rather mm. than sort of you know and you you're saying ki wo you thought there was a completely different film mm. uh, till the point where it switched gears that was i wouldn't true. i wouldn't have minded if there was a lot more background information about how uh, bad mm. things were happening in the background mm. like i think i appreciate all those because then i think the switch into genre is much more palatable to me here mm. uh, here it's a little too sudden which i mean i was fine i love the action in the film i think it's probably the best action is from like yeah. in hot fuzz there's a lot of mimicking of payham so like the mm. edits are quite off the charts crazy so i was like okay overwhelmed a little bit but in this <laughs> it's it's very much more fluid takes uh, and much more sort of uh, choreographed mm. in a way which is very impressive there's that one lovely sequence where he's trying to hold the beer and drink his beer while everything <laughs> around him is uh, going crazy i and i'm that, a huge fan of jab. the last uh, sequence also Oh, uh, amazing! The the dialogue <laughs> with with Simon Pegg, Frost, and the network is is one of my favorite bits of the Connected trilogy, to be honest. But so. that scene, actually, that scene was the only that's the only nitpick that okay. I have about this movie. That the exposition is done very, you know, it's unlike right. Okay, mm-hmm. like the writing of it all, it feels very the uh, writing. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Okay. The writing it feels very. Tagged on, and you know, a bit in the face, but I think it okay. works in favor for this movie. Got and it. again, they use this as a very good excuse in all the right ways, okay, in all yeah. the advantages. So oh, that no. entire I, scene... we should keep a counter on this stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So they were talking that entire network wala scene, okay, by the end in the last act, I was getting a bit zoned out in that entire sequence because yeah. I was feeling that oh my god, this is so. Like in the face exposition, hmm. in the face uh, messaging. Yep. But then I was like, I don't. I mean, it is. Huh? Because we are looking yep. at everything through these yep. drunkards. And the thing is, the, oh my god, I get so fucking excited while talking about this film. Like the more they get drunk, the more the night progresses. The more absurd things get. Yep. And yeah, yeah, because it could also just be like looking at it from their POV. That's right? their perspective, and that's yeah. that. That's what it hit me. That oh my god, this makes so much sense because everything is going to be exaggerated right now because yeah. we are perceiving this entire world. We are perceiving these events from their point of view. Okay, they are like twelve pints of beer down, and it's it's just so good. And the thing yeah. is that alcoholic trope, the alcoholic character trope, it mm. works very well for me in this movie because see. Mm. and it makes so much sense and this is i realize this right now i am connecting mm-hmm. these dots right now while talking this that this key, this film came 3 hours after scott pilgrim right there was a break yes, beach yes. yeah. shawn of the dead hot uh, yeah. fuzz scott pilgrim and then this yeah so it makes so much sense because both scott pilgrim and this movie like mm-hmm. 
Eggerite realizes that these are, if you look at it very on on the paper, right? On the surface, yep. these two movies are very generic. Mm-hmm. They are like these stories have been told a thousand times in cinema. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like since the birth of cinema, these stories have been told. Like if mm-hmm. you look at a coming of age story or a story about an alcoholic and yep. um, struggling to get over his nostalgia and all. Mm-hmm. So Eggerite realizes this that mm-hmm. in order to in order to make these films work, he has to imbue his own style of storytelling yeah. with these generic tropes, with these mm. genre tropes. Yeah. And that's what makes a great filmmaker because yeah. he knows that in order to make these generic stories work, I'll have to add in this entire sci-fi element to it and to yeah. and to and to get your message across of saying that, yeah. oh my God, maybe you have to grow up one day and uh, the, the world that we are living in now, we, we need learn to go back to what we were to our primitive some of our very very interesting thing of like going, yeah. growing up by going back exactly like paradox yeah like, uh, and now i understand why a lot of people might look look back at this movie and feel very conflicted after watching last night in so no but, I, but I, this is one of the films that wasn't the best received so this is i think the one oh, yeah. that was least best received by right fans and other yeah. fans yeah, but it was also I think one of the films that was a lot of critics' favorites. So mm-hmm. like I think a lot of critics sort of listed as their favorite. So I mean I I kind of get it. Like I I genuinely do get it. Mm-hmm. Also great uh Cornetto moment like uh in the oh end, yeah where, and the that moment is great. on yeah. yeah 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 the Cornetto moment is great and <laughs> I will again just end this because we are short on time yeah, nothing yeah. else otherwise we could go on for four hours about Edgar Wright yeah. uh, it's it's just uh, I think um, also this one last thing that yeah, yeah, you ahead. talked about uh, Simon Peck's performance in John of the Dead I was right about, about to go to that yeah, yeah. Oh my <laughs> this is my like, favorite Simon Peck performance easily uh, easily yeah. this is uh, he's making an absolute prick of a character uh, sympathetic mm. a little and bit. also Talking about that contrast, right? About you talked about the contrast that Nick Nick Frost and Simon yep. Peck's characters oh, have in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, it's 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 flipped, and this over here it works to its maximum, right? Because mm. in the initial thirty minutes of the film, I was like, oh my god, do I really need to see <laughs> someone like Nick Frost in a role like this? And then the movie is oh, like, he, oh, he, he lets yeah. rip, he lets yeah. rip quite a lot. It's amazing, and that <laughs> scene where he just. Chugs on to those five shots of vodka. Uh, it's just so good. Man. I mean, there's so much stuff we have, we won't get to discuss also. Like, there's, uh, I mean, because again, time, but like the yeah. other actors in the film are fantastic. Martin, Martin Freeman Steve, is man. here. Oh, like, he's fantastic. Eddie Marsan actually has a very uh, tender moment. Like, uh, he's the one yeah, who gets abused. Get, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I was like, he's got very uh, nice moments in the film uh, of yeah. reflection. Uh, mm. Rosamund Pike appears and she's very good uh, her yeah. chemistry with with Simon Pegg is quite good uh, mm-hmm. and did you and I this will be our bridge into Scott Pilgrim because uh, that's the only bridge I could think of uh, <laughs> there there are moments where you know they are going through the golden mile which is 12 pubs right mm-hmm. in each of the pubs he's put in the background 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 depending on which pub he is in so mm. it's like that I was this time because this is like my third time watching it. I was like paying attention to that. I was like, oh, where has he like put that one or two or three or four? And I was like, interesting. Yeah. He does the same thing in Scott Pilgrim with the X's, the seven evil X's. 
all this uh, yeah, like, yeah. as the number mm. goes on the background <laughs> is kind of surrounded by them mm. uh, so that was my transition now you go and <laughs> about what you think of <laughs> scott pilgrim versus the world which i think is edgar right on steroids basically right Even the new lineup rocks. You guys sound way better without me. Young Neil, you have learned well. From this point forward, you will be known as Neil. And Kim, I'm sorry about everything. I'm sorry about me. Scott Pilgrim! Hey, buddy! Save it! You're pretentious. This club sucks. I've got beef. Let's do it. Wait, 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 wait. You want to fight me? For her? No. I want to fight you for me. Scott earned the power of self-respect. Um... Kim! We are Sex Mabom and we are here to watch Scott Pilgrim kick your teeth in! One, two, three, four! Uh, this movie and i have to be very honest i have zero idea about the source material over here but agarite uses everything of everything that the novel or the graphic novel has yeah. been told about to its maximum okay he's like as you said he's on steroids over here yeah, yeah. and that is something that both makes the film work for me and limits something it. that it's similar yeah yeah we are pretty much on the same page yeah, yeah because we talked initially we started this episode by talking about how great filmmakers find that balance of Bal- style and content style and content yeah, yeah, yeah. right over here it it is very evident that hmm. this is, gets too carried away with its style yeah. but at the same time it's a brilliantly crafted and edited oh yeah yeah it's it fantastic. has a lot of great comedic moments but also a lot of moments that feel yeah. great stand alone moments but don't yeah. work very very well with the movie i think the comedic parts is also sometimes like the, i guess american see now this is where my american slash brit comedy ka thing comes in where i think i inherently think british comedy is funnier so for me yeah, american american comedy like especially in scott pilgrim is slightly mm. hit or miss like there is a slight too much effort to make you laugh whereas in brit comedy or like whatever him and peg have written together at least it mm. kind of flows very organically right so uh, i mean not that many americans listen to our podcast in anyway, so it's <laughs> i mean it's also fine they can accept that they're not good at one thing right so it's okay uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's why like they keep borrowing a lot from british tv <laughs> yeah, yeah of course i mean yeah. exactly yeah so i think yeah. uh, scott pilgrim's a interesting one i think i've watched it somehow i've been introducing it to a lot of younger like my younger cousins i'm like just they had seen free guy and they liked it and i was like well go watch uh, scott pilgrim because like uh, uh, you'll you'll understand what i mean then I, i'm very <laughs> glad to report that they did really like uh, scott oh, pilgrim then but this is a very easy to admire film even though the box office collection would say otherwise but yeah, yeah. 
is a very easy film to get into right into rights filmography yeah, yeah. it's I mean, the right film to get into rights yes yes <laughs> i mean to be honest it's its visual style to me is basically uh, spider man into the spider verse before spider man into the spider verse like oh, you know the mimicking of and it, the visual style really still works fantastically i think amazing it doesn't feel like does a... that feel uh, icky or anything it's it's just the mix of like digital trickery and like whatever practical effects here is like fantastic uh, mm. and i think like i have no nostalgia such for like video games or anything comic books and all that but like the way sort of right conveys so much of it is like uh, geeky mm. in a way which is like i'm like okay i'm i'm with your geekiness for a lot of it so like that, so i was there with it i've read a little bit about the what's the trope the pixie dream girl trope which uh, <laughs> i'm not sure what to think about like with the Ma- uh, mary elizabeth winstead character Mm-hmm. uh i also think though that the film is very critical of scott i ne- i don't think it's a film that sympathizes with him a lot of times uh like mm-hmm. a lot of it is about sort of scott growing up right because he's like a kind of a moron in this who like doesn't acknowledge whatever damage he's done to people right so and michael serra's quite good at playing like a schlubby uh prick mm-hmm. i guess uh, but uh, but yeah i don't know what to think of like the mary elizabeth winstead character uh, i think that the film doesn't sympathizes doesn't sympathize with him as a character mm-hmm. because he's basically that's what the film is saying he's basically inside a game so mm-hmm. it, it is very meta in a very mm-hmm. meta way this is where i would like to again get on to the deeper philosophical themes somewhat philosophical themes about this movie right mm-hmm. otherwise we can go on talking about the style and style of it all for us right it's an yep. right film a very famous one now so yep. this is where i would like to get into some of the deeper underlying mm-hmm. things about this movie ki yep. what a great fucking way to tell a coming of age story in the 21st century by putting it in the backdrop of a video game yeah, like yeah, by yeah. putting your entire character character ka revolving story inside hmm. a video game and presenting it like yep. oh look this is how it feels being a teenager this is how it feels being a high school oh, reminds me of a film yeah, that by... released this year aryan <clears throat> i mean let's oh, please yeah, don't ruin yeah. scott pilgrim for me i really like this film <laughs> no no it just reminded me of a film that 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 tries to be the truman show uh, and and is not Well, I mean, my the, I told you I referenced uh, this when people talked about Free Guy. No, like it was just it was just it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. telling a story about like a lost teenager through oh, right. kind of like a video game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've <laughs> seen this before uh, in several mm-hmm. films. But yes, Scott yeah. Pilgrim being one of the great ones. This uh, is yeah. Okay. This this film like it came back in two thousand ten. Okay, when mm-hmm. like there wasn't Neuralink back then. There wasn't yep. so much. Uh, progression of vr as we see it right now right mm-hmm. and what a great fucking way of telling a coming of age story of a high schooler struggling to see his own struggling to find his own place not in not yeah. just in terms of relationships and all but also in life what a great fucking way to put mm-hmm. this as a template and show that oh my god like a video game life is constantly throwing these difficult very yep. obnoxious challenges. like time scenarios that challenges yep. challenges yep. at you and yep. it's just so good and that's why i feel that one might feel that the mm. sim- that the film as a director egarite isn't sympathizing a lot with this uh, with its protagonist over here because mm. 
the film wants to make sure that look this is a video game and this is how the world is going to perceive you going ahead and you have to make your choice and that's mm. my biggest the, the only reason i'm mm. i think i'm fair to say this the only reason the only thing pulling away from this being my uh, second favorite egoride film mm. is that ending wala sequence where we finally see that it's been implied and we see that uh, the protagonist i forget his name what's his name scott oh, scott yes <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah we're too so, deep uh, into yeah. the edgarite world right now right <laughs> yeah. yeah so we, when we see scott and that video game thing comes up and it's like uh, the commentary thing says that now you have to fight yourself and that would have like even ek minute ka to ek minute ka that yeah. sequence would have just it cuts away right <laughs> it cuts away and the next scene they're just chilling outside and he goes away with that girl and also by the way this scene the ending was like he changed, was initially right? supposed, yeah it, mm-hmm. during a fan screening or something uh, they changed it that he should have gone with knives that. i think yeah. that would have complicated a lot of things yeah. exactly yeah and then they were like you know like we want or typical as a yeah, yeah of course how how can the asian girl get yeah. the get the man right <laughs> yeah obviously Hollywood. and so they changed it right <laughs> typical like it, it this is where it seems evident that this is an american film <laughs> so yeah. it's canadian to the canadian people okay. will be pissed at us if i mean oh, right. <laughs> it implies we have canadian <laughs> but but yes uh but yeah, yeah. canadian but this it's is... a canadian production yeah This is the only problem that I have with the film. Okay. No, I I just that... find it sometimes a little too overwhelming. Like I I'm like I need like someone to like tone it down a little. Tone it down. Like thoda yeah. so like I'll get a <laughs> sugar rush or something like just by watching it. I also think like the Indian thing in this is a bit. Too oh strange. God. Yeah. Like, I was like. Icky about it. I was like, don't yeah, don't yeah. do that, Edgar. Don't do that. <laughs> I can't be behind that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's never getting thing. hired again by Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> also, I would I would thought... still argue it's more fun than the Marvel rendition of the Bollywood. Oh, film. definitely. <laughs> yeah. Also, I had no fucking idea. I realized this upon rewatch after turning into a massive Succession fan that Kiran <laughs> Kalkin is there. <laughs> in the first act yeah did that if you if you listen to it closely if you pay close attention blade runners yeah. wallace ka soundtrack plays on that oh really door. okay yeah it's so like <laughs> such a good nod because um that's what the computer that's what that entire thing was called right that organization in blade runner it was yeah, wallace yeah. corporation and all so yeah. <laughs> that theme of that wallace organization that literally plays on in the background and i was like oh my god <laughs> i mean i am probably i'm going to watch it sometime again soon i didn't rewatch it simply because i had seen yeah. it like a month back or something yeah yeah, yeah. right so okay we are we are on our last stretch before uh, we end this podcast i don't know how long this is going to be to be honest but uh, last we are going with uh, his most recent film and his most popular film and your choice is well i'm going to go with the picnic show because uh, i just love smoking pigs 
Weren't they fucking Doc's contacts? They were Doc's contacts. Guess what? They was pigs. Look at the boxes. It's APD. I clocked that tall strip of Baker with that fake-ass Louis Vuitton hat right off the bat. He busted me in 98. Now, I don't know about you lovebirds fucking without a condom, but when somebody getting ready to barbecue me, I'm gonna throw him in a bed shit. Get him! Baby, don't let him get away! Does hmm. the popularity mean it's his weakest film, though, Aryan? I'm just trying to uh, trying to be like whatever innovative with transitions, <laughs> nothing else. I don't so, know if it's I. I think it might be his weakest film, but other than that, it's definitely his most forgettable film, hmm. <laughs> which is which is not a. You forgettable know, film for a narrative and character point of view. Yeah, I mean, hmm. I loved this movie back when it came out. Okay. Hmm. I watched it twice in 2017. That's what mm. that's what the year that it came out in, right? 2017, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I watched it twice just in 2017 alone, but I haven't revisited it ever since. I probably okay. might before the sequel comes in. It's going to release in 2020. He's directing it only. Like, is that yeah, a... yeah. Okay. yeah? Sequel as in it's like a direct sequel. What yeah, it is make? A, it's a direct sequel. You Kapka, it was confirmed like yeah, but what will they make about baby? I don't know, man. Exactly. It's just. I mean, uh, but uh, I mean, it was his most successful film on box office wise. So, and it's just, it's just mind-boggling to me. Like hmm. Scott Pilgrim was made on a budget of somewhere around 60 80, million. Okay? 70, 60, 80. Yeah, yeah 60 to 80 million. Yeah. Ke beech it was made and it earned like 45, 50 million. Okay, it was a yeah. flop. And, and this film like earned 250. Million, and I'm like, oh my god! I uh, musical sells like overt yeah. musical sells. I think exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I'm 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 in the same boat as you in the sense that it is probably one of the only Edgar Wright films that diminishes with rewatches for me. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. it's very it's a strange feeling. Or I've seen it thrice. The first hmm. two times, the first time I saw it was in like some funky advanced screening. So like everyone there was like a. Edgar Wright fans, all of us like loved it. And I was like, oh, wow, what a fantastic film. It is a great film, I'll still argue. Definitely. Uh, but then I watched it the second time. I still enjoyed it equally, probably. And then the third time I watched it, I was like, mm. not sure, not sure about all of it hanging in together. Mm. There's this particular actor in it now who we also can't talk about, who I liked a lot. <laughs> Uh, but but I don't know if I watch it now. What experience will it be to watch watch mm. that character? Like earlier, there wasn't at least that pressure of having like that reservation, right? Mm. So that's a separate separate issue. I think the bigger uh, I don't know what to call a problem here, but I think it's the same. It's not as like full throttle in its style as like uh, Scott Pilgrim. 
but it's mm. still very much a technical accomplishment i think more like the technique is much more uh, primary mm. of primary importance than than the characters yeah. i think which is fine and i think which shows you know he actually said in his interviews that for baby driver they had like used soundtrack and musical board to figure yeah. out everything characters. even way before yeah everything yeah, yeah. like they, they used music and soundtrack even while for like building that storyboard and all that thing way before the shooting and production even began yeah and I it mean, seems clear that yeah. he got maybe a bit too carried away with all of that and mm. that's the only aspect of the film that i can vividly remember that entire mm. sequence i have not watched this film since 4 years like mm. 17 i guess i watched it for the last time in november of 2017 mm-hmm. i guess i have not watched this since then okay not even trailers nothing and still i remember vividly that entire car all a sequence right before the robbery right before the heist and mm. they are just like replaying the music and just to make yep. it all and sync and all it, it was a great sequence no okay. no it is i mean i can i can confirm because i've rewatched it whatever a year back mm-hmm. i didn't get to watch it uh, i might watch it after this episode uh, oh. but uh, but i think it's the the way in which it's all synced with the soundtrack mm-hmm. is a key edgar right thing i think in a way actually he's so good with these musical sequences there will be a movie i'll reference in our last night in soho episode which will hopefully blow a couple of people's minds off <laughs> i mean minds off in the sense that they'll probably think i'm a complete idiot for saying it but but yeah, i will make that claim in any case mm-hmm. not that i'm an idiot that that <laughs> that the movie actually bears resemblance uh no but i think uh, the film holds at least in terms of its technique it's just fascinating to see a director beat for beat making a car turn a car flash and like everything around it dance to his music kind of right it's you know the task it's like even thinking about it seems so much of it give, it would give any filmmaker like cold sweats right i sort of yeah. i mean he did one sequence in shaun of the dead which is like that imagine mm-hmm. that being extended yeah. to like like four movie, five yeah. sequences in the whole film and i'm just like that's incredible and and, and i kind of find ansel elgort charming i i've read a lot of reviews being like he's like a cold <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like person like you can't empathize with him i think he's mm-hmm. kind of fine like i i like i think he's got charisma to him lily james is basically like, the extension of uh, ryan gosling from drive stoic and Yeah. I mean he can't do stoic though. I think he can oh, do no, cute no. cute charming yeah. whatever boy. Hmm. I think that's that's more his zone. Cuz I saw the hmm. West Side story trailer and he's in it and I was like, "Ah, it works for me." Uh, yeah. but but uh, Lily James I think is fantastic in general. Oh, I think obviously. she is like a proper movie star, right? So I have I have probably been on about Lily James for a lot of to a lot of people like cast her more as like whatever I saw in Rebecca and I was like, "Why would you cast Lily James in Rebecca?" <laughs> like what a strange Even movie. Even Jamie Fox was like quite good in the film. Oh yeah, yeah. I really yeah. like John Hamm. I really like his uh, switch. Oh like, yeah, his character I... switch in this film, I think, is fantastic. Oh yeah, it's uh, amazing. I mean, the guy who shouldn't be named is also pretty good, I think. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, as a performer. Big <laughs> <laughs> oh god, uh, we're going to get even us cancelled. <laughs> Arey, I can't. Like, what do I do now? Okay. Anyways, but but the point is that. Uh, the idea of uh, i don't mind the story as such but uh, hmm. it is it does definitely feel like it overstays its welcome and i hmm. think uh, 
by the end it's a bit like i mean the ending uh, sequence is fantastic but it's yeah. like you kind of tired of it after a while yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually the, how I felt a bit during Scott Pilgrim's last act. It, it kept going for a bit too long, and that's why in my mind, even though I would have liked seeing that end, ka or Scott versus Scott ka thing for yeah. dramatic purposes, I was kind of glad. <laughs> I was kind of glad that oh my god, because I was getting a bit exhausted at that time, and that's a very clear evidence of why too much style and too much funk, <laughs> too much. uh sugar rush and you know kinetic energy doesn't always can't yeah, always yeah. you know elevate yeah yeah of yeah. course it i mean i think uh, again like we've discussed and i'm closing this off just because we <laughs> we can't exceed this time limit uh, so uh, but it was uh, it's basically what we've talked about right he works so well when and i mean our criticisms of his films are not like oh these films are bad these films are great <laughs> it's yeah. we, are, we, are, we he set such a high standard now at least exactly. for us that uh, that that i mean i have not been disappointed with a single film of his to be very honest like even though there are films i like and don't uh, necessarily love uh, mm-hmm. i've not found a single film of his, of his apart from fistful fistful of fingers which which is fine like i don't have any grudges against it but like uh, mm-hmm. i've had a thoroughly like he's one of my go to filmmakers if i'm ever like in the mood for comedy and really? really no, I think I think think I'm like, yeah, I think I'm yeah especially barely... dude musical and comedies are like the chill not yeah. comedies the musicals are like the my least favorite genre okay mm. I don't have a genre preference to be yeah. very honest when it comes to films but if I were given a choice I would definitely not go for a musical yeah. film on a random night but yeah. that's at least I loved watching Baby Driver in that moment oh like, yeah yeah he incorporates that thing a lot yeah yeah, yeah. Music, I mean, yeah. yeah, I've I've read people compare him to Bollywood, uh, his style sometimes, <laughs> the the musicality of it. I love that. Think. You wait for the reference. You wait. Ah, that. Uh, I guess that. Yeah. <laughs> you wait for the reference. Anyways, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that's all we have on Edgar Wright. Uh, I mean, that's not all we have. That's all we have time to uh talk about about Edgar Wright. He's uh. probably one of my favorite filmmakers uh not probably it's understatement uh definitely one of my favorite filmmakers and uh, and yeah i mean i i don't know what to what else to like end the episode on and such just watch his stuff support the guy listen to him talk about films fantastically articulate about talking Amazing. i wanted to watch rather... all the films he's talked about exactly uh, man i would rather i would rather Might be an unpopular opinion, but I would rather listen to him talk about films than Quentin Tarantino. Oh yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I literally messaged Sanjeev saying that he's not mm. nearly as annoyingly obnoxious about films exactly, as Quentin yeah. uh, Tarantino. He's like he exactly. It's a joy to watch him uh, talk about Quentin Tarantino. He has come to a point where I have no grudges against him, but mm. he's come to a point where it might come across a lot of times, even in his. Older interviews that he's talking down on the audience. Yeah, it it not in his films, it, I think, but more in his uh, ah, the way he talks. The way he can, yeah. No yeah. offense to the guy. I mean, I love him. I yeah, love yeah. His I mean, both. I think but both of us are fans right. of his films. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. but Edgar yeah. Wright, when it comes to Edgar Wright and especially Paul Thomas Anderson, these two guys talk about films as 
as if they are like they are still students of film yeah. okay yeah. like they are admirers of film and they are geeky making students their... also yeah. like they like very like dorky yeah. geeky and like enthusiastic <laughs> students and it's really right. lovely to watch like grown men be like that it <laughs> it makes us feel like we are just sitting with them and chilling and you know yeah. talking about films it's great yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So that's it for our Edgar Wright episode. I mean, I don't think you'll find any other director anytime soon where you'll see us gushing this much consistently. I guess we might do a Paul Thomas Anderson episode sometime, which will again, again, the problem is that how much gushing can you do? Uh, but 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 yes, uh, that's it uh, for this episode. Please follow us on Spotify. Hit the like button. Subscribe. Uh, that helps us a lot. follow aryan on aryan talks film he writes great stuff about contemporary releases and other com- compilation stuff about like whatever past film movements etc uh follow me on at terminal cinema i write stuff intermittently about some stuff but there's no structure to it uh just sad uh and that's it not khatam because we have another episode very coming out very soon <laughs>